Hey everyone, this is Jamie Austin, pastor of Woodlake Church. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Woodlake, head on over to woodlake.church and enjoy this message. Hey, good morning, Woodlake family. Hey, I'm so glad that you're with us today. If you're watching online, if you're new with us today, you're gonna hear me use this phrase a lot, Woodlake family, Woodlake family. You are a part of the family today if you're a guest with us, all right? My name is Jamie. My wife, Jen, is right here. If we hadn't had the chance to meet you over the last couple of weeks, or if you're new with us today, we're gonna be on these northeast doors, right? I got the directions, right? Northeast. Okay, all right, <laughs> Northeast Doors. If we hadn't had the chance to meet you, I would love to meet you. We'd love to meet you here after the service. So, hey, Woodlake family, give all of our guests a huge round of applause. Thank you. It's a big deal that you're with us today. We kick off a brand new series entitled Relationship Renovation. We were designed for relationship. And the Bible has a lot to say about relationships. Somebody say amen. amen. Book of Genesis, God right off the bat said, it is not good for man to be alone. Men, give all your wives a big round of applause. All right. Men, there are moments that I, as a pastor, give you an opportunity to build up, I don't know, relational currency, and that was one of them. Men, give the ladies a big round of applause, all right? But God modeled it, not just with a man and wife in Genesis 2, but Scripture says that God would come down and walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day from the beginning all the way to the Genesis, all the way to Revelation. This is not about religion, but God utilizes relationship. Amen? And God blesses us through many times relationships. Over the next few weeks, in fact, you're going to get to hear my wife and I tag team on a message. Give her a huge round of applause. We're excited about it. Some of you are like, I didn't know, I didn't know Jen preached. Oh, she can, she can bring it, okay? And um, it's going to be great. And uh, hey, so bring somebody with you. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 is where we're going to be today. How many of you have been lying in bed at night and it's been calm? How many of you, there's a moment where you're trying to get to sleep, but then there's that little moment right before you fall asleep where everything is right. The bed feels good. How many, it, that's how it feels right before you get up in the morning. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> Some of you watching at home, we know why you're there. No, um, but, you're, but you're in bed, things are calm, all is right with the world, and about the time you're getting ready to doze off, this is what you hear. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And <laughs> there's that moment you're like, do I... Re-? <laughs> there's a moment where you think, you know what? I don't care if the house burns down, right? <laughs> like if you're anything like me, when they beep, many times the battery's low or, or something like that. It never happens like at five o'clock when you get home and you're kind of up and around, right? It's always like at two in the morning when, when, when you are ready 
to drift off into never never land they beep how many of you have walked around your house in the dark in the middle of the night in your underwear trying to find and you're waiting underneath one thinking this is it and in some random part of the house or the apartment or whatever you realize there's another one goes off why does it do that well many times because the battery's low most of the time you know and if the if there is smoke you're thinking did i pay the insurance premium let it burn no <laughs> they also go off with carbon monoxide the, the silent killer and you say what does this have to do with relationships today over the next few weeks we're going to talk about issues and challenges that pop up in relationships uh, and, and I'll tell you, in fact, if you are married and you have not signed up for Demo Day this weekend, you need to walk out these doors after service and sign up. We're going to invest in marriages this weekend, and you need to be there. All the married couples said amen. Some of you are already thinking right now, well, i got to rearrange my sock drawer and give my cat a bath on Friday night. Do it sometime else, all right? Be with us. Make an effort. Everybody say make an effort. Make an effort to invest in your marriage, invest in all your relationships, because like that smoke detector, that carbon monoxide, a lot of times we don't realize there's a problem until there's a problem. And all of a sudden the alarms are going off, and let me tell you what happens. Instead of getting up and dealing with it, we look at it as, a, as a, an annoyance while all the time the devil is doing his work. Amen? Now, when it comes to relationships, one thing that we know is true is how we view and treat others many times has to do with how we view and treat ourselves. okay? We have to have a proper view of ourself if we are gonna treat others correctly. And in Luke chapter seven, we have a perfect example of this. Jesus was invited to a dinner party. In fact, let me, let me read it here. It says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in the town who lived a sinful life. Make a note of that, okay? Learn that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. She came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Make a note of that. Verse 38, as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair, kissed him, and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Can I just tell you something? When the Bible goes to great lengths to call somebody a sinner, they bad, all right? Verse 40, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, another 50 denarii. Now, a denarii was like a day's wages. So in essence, when Jesus said one owed 500, it was 500 days wages, okay? One owed 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave both the debts. Now, which one of them will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt that was forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house, you did not give me any water for my feet, 
but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. One version says this, who have been, those who have been forgiven much loves much. Simon, a Pharisee, a religious leader of that day. And a lot of times, if you study scripture, Pharisees get a bad rap. They, they, they come off as pretentious. They come off as, as cynical. They come off as judgmental. I would like to argue that Simon was a Pharisee who was really trying to get a taste to see if Jesus was, in fact, who he said he was. Just maybe. He wasn't trying, he, he was really hungry. Maybe he had played the religious game. How many of us have played the religious game, right? I can come to church and surely that'll make me a Christian. I, I can sing a song and read the Bible every once in a while and I'll be okay. How many of us remember the day that we realized it wasn't about religion, but it was about a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? I, I argue that maybe Simon was done playing the game and just really wanted to give Jesus one last try. We see a lot about relationships here. Scholars tell us that in those days when dinner parties were had, that many times they were, they were held in an open-air porch. It would have been customary for that day that people would have gathered in the street to watch the important people eat, to listen to conversation. And in the middle of all of this, you have what Scripture says is a sinful woman. Most commentators would agree that if you read between the lines, this wasn't a woman who uh, simply had speeding tickets. Woman, probably a prostitute. When Scripture calls her a sinful woman, what, what, what the writer is trying to get across here, that she had, you had Simon on one end of the religious spectrum and you had this woman on the other end. As people were gathering around, which was customary of that day, this woman pushes past the outer limits, the, the, the patio, and comes to Jesus' feet. And scripture says she was, she was crying, she was weeping, and she broke the jar and poured it on his feet and washed his feet with her tears. And Simon failed to do the customary things for his guests. Jesus even called him out on it. You did not do this. You, did not do, you, didn't, you didn't offer me water to wash my feet. That was customary. Simon, you didn't do the bare minimum. Simon, you didn't greet me with a kiss. That was customary in the day. Greet your brother with a holy kiss. Apparently, there was not a pandemic out there, okay? You didn't offer oil for my head. That was customary for, for oil to be put, that shine. The oil of gladness was to signify that, oh, we are happy to be together. Simon, you failed to do the bare minimum. In fact, let me just say it this way. Simon, in all his religiosity, was treating Jesus as if he were common. Now, if you're a guest with us today, pretend I'm not talking to you. But Woodlake family, let me talk to you. God forgive us if we ever come in here on a Sunday morning and treat Jesus as common. 
when it's time to worship Woodlake family, let's worship. Why? Because we, anybody else been forgiven much in the house of God here today? Amen? Amen. Okay, back to our regularly scheduled message. Simon, you didn't do the bare minimum. Scripture says that she had an alabaster jar. Historians would tell you that it would be customary for that day for a woman to wear a jar of perfume around her neck. But because this woman was a, was a woman of the night, because she was a prostitute, this alabaster jar, valuable, was probably used. In fact, one, one, one um, scholar said it this way, that this jar of perfume was probably used for her profession. It's getting awkward in here, isn't it? Think about the awkwardness at that dinner party. Everybody's trying to talk a little bit louder, so, so nobody pays attention to what's going on. Here's a woman, a, a, a prostitute. Everybody knows who she is, and she just pushed her way past the outer limit. She's sitting at Jesus' feet. She breaks the alabaster jar and begins to pour the perfume that was probably once used for... Um, money-making and pouring it on Jesus's feet would you let me preach another message here just I'm like, I gotta preach this passage like I feel it today when she broke that alabaster jar and poured that perfume on her feet do you realize she was pouring out everything that kept her tied to her past come on somebody she poured it on Jesus's feet because she was saying I'm not going back and as I poured on your feet Jesus now I can't go back Aren't you thankful here today that you've been saved and set free? Can I challenge the church here today? Let's stop going back. It was over. And then Jesus begins to teach about relationships. (laughs) And you know what we can get from this passage of Scripture? Something very powerful. If you're taking notes, in fact, I want you to write this down. Jesus is able to look past this woman's past to see her potential. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't see us at our worst? (laughs) Let's pause there for just a moment. He does see us at our worst, doesn't he? Have you ever thought, let me just, have you ever got in the flesh and then for just a brief moment, you had this realization, I hope nobody saw me. You were in line at a particular big box store in the express lane. And somebody was in the express lane that shouldn't have been in the express lane. Somebody cut you off in traffic, and for just a brief moment, you were in the flesh. And you thought to yourself, I sure hope nobody saw me. Nobody would believe I'm a, I'm a Christian if they saw the way I acted. And, and here in this moment, Jesus knew everything about this woman and still accepted her for who she was, for what she could be. Scripture says that Simon said, if this man were a prophet, then he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is. Here's the beautiful part about that story. Jesus knew exactly who she was. Let's pause here for just a moment. There are no secrets with God. 
Here's the beautiful part about it. In, in the evangelist, Paul Washer says it this way. You ask me what the greatest act of faith is. To me, is to look into the mirror of God's word and see all my faults, all my sins, all my shortcomings, and to believe that God loves me exactly as he says he does. That's the greatest miracle. Jesus knew all the details of her life, and he knows all the details of our life. And he loves us nonetheless. Um, let me say it this way. Um, have you ever seen the show Fixer Upper? There's a lot of shows out there that, that show the rehab of homes. When I got married, Jen and I got married, I had already lived in a house, purchased a house, been there for a year, and I, I cannot decorate at all. The only thing is when I see a wall, I think a deer head would go great right here. That's it. <laughs> That's it. And I'm a man. I'm going to hang that deer head in my office where she lets me. So anyway, um, so if you were to come into my house about six months before Jen and I were married, you would have seen nothing but stark white walls. I had a bed. I had a TV that was, I think, 24 inches and was the size of a Volkswagen. And in those days, I was proud. 24-inch TV, come on, somebody, right? With the rabbit ears. Let's not go down memory lane. I had a dresser. Honey, did I have a couch? My mom got me the couch. All right, I forgot about that. And that was it, wasn't it? Literally it. You say, Jamie, what was in the rest of your home? Nothing nothing then six months yeah then six let me tell you why and six months before we get married uh if you let me I don't know how it was for you I I had I had a closet that you could live in and then I get married and it takes like it took a month to move Jen in (laughs) did it grow from last service to this service I think two weeks to move Jen in actually I really did think it was two weeks and Jen yeah I better watch this right well she got a vision for the house she says, you know what we're going to do? We're going to paint. I said, you're going to paint. <laughs> I'm going to go hunting. And Jen learned something about ministry back in those days. When you want to build relationship time with people, we're really just putting you to work. No, I, no. But she had a paint party, had people over the house. And, and I mean, the, the house began to take shape. Why? Because she had a vision. She saw what could be. And that's the same way when God looks at us, he sees what could be in Christ. Amen. Amen. Some of us need to get a vision for, for what our marriage could be. Let's get a vision for how, how the relationships in the office could be. Let's get a vision for how the church of Jesus Christ could be. Amen. Simon could not see this woman for who she was in Christ. All he could see is who she was in sin. Jesus called him on it. You see, where others see problems, Jesus sees our potential. 2 Corinthians 5.17, I quote this passage often here at Woodlake. I quote it so much that most of you could probably, could probably say it with me, but 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, say anyone. If anyone is, do you, are you anyone? 
The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. New creation in the original language means not a cleaned up version of your old self. New creation in the original language that Paul used meant a new creature altogether. Now, now, folks, when you come to Christ, when I come, came to Christ and I said yes to him, he made me new. And what Paul is describing is that I'm not a cleaned up version of my old self. I am a new creation. Anybody hearing me here today? Because some of us used to be steeped in addiction and you were known as an addict, but then now you are in Christ. You are no longer an addict, you are now in Christ. Come on, somebody. Some of us were raised in a, in a home that, that if anybody knew our actual background and upbringing and family DNA, we would be absolutely embarrassed. Can I encourage you here today? If you have said yes to the Lord, you are in Christ. You are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. You're new. I love how the King James Version reads. It says this, behold. How many of you grew up in a church? You all just heard the King James Version of the Bible. King James says, and behold, all things are new. That word behold, the writer is painting a picture of 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 a fast changing scene. You're trying to keep up as if in a flash, things change. Behold, sir, ma'am, student, if you're watching online today, if you are here thinking that nobody can love you, if you're here today thinking that there's no way life could ever be put back together, if you're sitting here today and all you can see is your problems and not the potential that you are in Christ, can I encourage you here today that the moment you come to Christ, there is this behold, moment where things changed okay let me talk to christians for just a moment do you remember when things changed for you do you remember you couldn't quite put words to it but but things changed some scholars say that this woman probably encountered jesus some in one of his other uh uh, ministry settings or somewhere and jesus had ministered to her and had forgiven her of her sins and when she showed up at the dinner party she was standing there with the crowd trying to get a look at jesus but that maybe somehow she was so overcome by the fact that she had been forgiven and made new that she pushed past the crowd and made her way into a place that she didn't belong and she, think about the courage that it took for her to be there. A woman with reputation in the midst of people trying to protect theirs. She pushed her way into the dinner party. Imagine the awkwardness. Imagine the, imagine the uh, Simon getting a little nervous going, she doesn't belong here. And he's trying to get direction. And here's what's interesting. Now she's crying. She's at Jesus' feet. She's kissing his feet, as awkward as that is. And she's pouring perfume on them. She's taking her hair and wiping. And scripture says wiping his feet with what? Her hair. If you know any background information on this at all, you know that in those days that a woman did not wear her hair down. It it, it was the rules. 
How many of you remember when you used to think that living for Jesus was about rules? Do you remember those days? Some of us grew up in a church that there were rules. And you better know the rules. They weren't in the Bible. <laughs> but there were rules. And if you didn't know the rules, God help you. Right? This woman with her hair down, scholars would tell you uh, that would have been immodest. That only women of the street would have worn their hair down as a signal that she was working. But scripture says she came in and she was weeping and crying. She was wiping Jesus' feet with her hair. Can you imagine what was grabbing Simon on the inside going, oh my goodness, doesn't this woman know what she's doing? Do you know what I love about this picture? Hair down? She didn't know the rules. I love to think of it this way. She was like barely saved. Let me say it to this side. <laughs> barely saved. Do you remember what it was like when you first came to Christ and you didn't know all the rules? Now you know what I'm saying. You can't be barely saved, but uh, let's say this, freshly saved. And you didn't know the rules but every sermon sounded like it was directed right at you. Every worship song opened the gates of heaven and you experienced God. You didn't care. You didn't know the rules. I kind of wonder if that's how this woman was. She was wiping Jesus' feet with her hair while the other guests were gasping and clutching their pearls. Jesus was looking at this thing going, that's awesome. Years ago, <laughs> here at Woodlake, we were having people come to Christ. And some of you remember these days, and we started having piles of cigarette butts on the front doors. <laughs> and I had one, I had a saint come up to me one time. <laughs> and could not believe that there were cigarette butts near the house of God. And it, it, was, it was problematic, okay? There were piles of cigarette butts. So I got, Pastor Mike Cooper and I got this idea. Why don't we get ashtrays and put them right by the front door? We got the decorative ones that, like, only smokers know what they are. And the little kids are just playing in the sand, having a good time, right? <laughs> The next Sunday, this saint comes to me and says, I cannot believe. Have you been around somebody that doesn't realize that they're not as holy as they think they are? And they seem to carry themselves and talk. Anyway, I can't believe there are cigarette butts in the house of God. I don't know what came over me. You ever have something come over you? I'm Pentecostal. I can blame it on the Holy Spirit. It was a word of knowledge. And I said this. I said, if there are butts in the parking lot, then there are butts in the pews. Come on, somebody. Woo! So 
Somebody shout me down. All right. They did not quite have that same reaction. <laughs> what am I getting at here today? This, this woman didn't know the rules. But, but maybe earlier that week, she didn't encounter the rabbi, the, the teacher, the savior. And when she came in contact with him, she had a realization that she was lost and in sin and, and going to die without hope. And Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. And then later on that week, Jesus is at a dinner party and she didn't care who was watching. She didn't care who was there. She didn't care who she had to push through. She had to sit at the feet of her savior and she didn't know the rules. She was a work in progress, Philippians 1.6. He who begins a good work in you will be faithful to carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In fact, if you're here today and you've got struggles, you're in the right place. We are all a work in progress, but Jesus is committed to your success. Amen? I'm about to preach myself happy. She pushed past the stairs. She pushed past the side conversations. She just began to wash his feet in complete gratitude. You see, Simon realized, or didn't realize, that just like, just like this house, we all need renovation, don't we? And then I love what Jesus does. He tells a story. Simon, I have something to tell you. Teacher, go ahead. Two men owed money, one 500 denarii, that's 500 days wages, and one owed 50 denarii, 50 days wages. When Jesus said 500, what he was painting the picture of was this. It was an amount impossible to pay back. Could not be paid back. But 50, it'd be difficult, but it could be done. But then Jesus answers that argument but neither one of them could pay. I wonder, I wonder if things started clicking for Simon, but neither one could pay. Do you realize here today, if you were raised in church and never said a curse word, you still needed a savior. We're not broken people that need to be fixed, we're sinners that need to be saved, amen? And it may be you're here today and you got a testimony that if anybody knew, you'd be absolutely ashamed. Maybe just the people sitting around you maybe know something of your previous life. I, I want you to relax. Jesus was getting the point across. It didn't matter if it was 500, it was 50. Nobody could pay what they owe. Nobody. How many of us need to start looking at people the way Jesus sees people? How many, of it, how many of us need to start looking at ourselves the way Jesus sees us? They call carbon monoxide the silent killer. I was talking to somebody between the services who would tell me they had a, had a bout with it and the, the, the alarm started beeping and they realized there was a problem when they thought, I'll just go back to sleep because they couldn't get themselves out of bed. They were, they were groggy. There was something going on. And I think church, if we're not careful, if we begin to fill ourselves with things that are of this world, then we begin to get groggy spiritually. 
We begin to treat people inappropriately. We begin to treat ourselves and our family and our marriages and those around us inappropriately. And all of a sudden now there's rifts and the alarms are going off, but we really just want to stay in bed and hope they stop. That's what was going on in this, this moment. And Jesus calls Simon out on it. He said, listen, Simon, you, you, you are a sinner as well. Simon, the only difference is that everybody knows her shame and nobody knows yours. Here's the last thing I want us to get. Here's the beautiful part about it. It's clear that Jesus' grace overrides any guilt. If you're here today and you have messed up and it's hard for you just to sit in this room or maybe you're watching online and that's you, it's hard to listen to this message. The Bible says that it is His will that none should perish. Let me say that again. It's His will that, everybody say it with me, None should perish. You are in the right place. Amen. Maybe you're here today and it took a lot of courage to be here. Maybe you had to push past guilt. You had to push past shame. You had to push past a a spouse trying to remind you of your past. You had to push back some stairs and some people that were with you maybe even this past weekend. Come on, somebody. You had to push past all those things. But something on the inside said that what Jesus has for you is better than what you have for you. This woman didn't care. And Jesus used this to communicate what he offers. Jesus asked the question of Simon. So who loved more? Simon gets the answer right. I suppose the one that owed more money. You have our guest right. And then he just begins to call Simon out. Simon, I came in here. You didn't offer to wash my feet. You didn't greet me with a kiss. You didn't give me oil for my head. But since the moment I sat down, this woman can't stop. Oh, God. (laughs) Forgive us if we ever stop being in awe of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Forgive us. And then he turns to the woman and says this. Woman, your sins are forgiven. If you read in that passage of Scripture, it says the people began to mutter amongst themselves. He said, what? You see, when Jesus said your sins are forgiven, that just wasn't a Jesus statement. In that culture of that day, um, only God, there were two things only God could do. One was forgive sins and two, calm storms. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? So when Jesus said, woman, your sins are forgiven, everybody went. (laughs) And then he says something that if we're not careful, we can blow right past. He says, go in peace. I did a lot of Bible study this week, so if I've given you too much, tough. In the original language, the phrase was actually this, go into peace. Can you remember 
when you said yes to the Lord, and I mean it meant it, you know what I'm talking about? And you left your old life and you went into peace. <laughs> you remember that? No longer were you scared that God was going to get you. <laughs> Some of us are sitting in this place today and that's really on the back of your mind. Jesus said, woman, your sins are forgiven. Go in to peace. So here's my question is this. If you're here today and you think God's going to get you, if you're here today and maybe the relationship rifts in your life are because you've got a wrong view of yourself, my question is simply this. Are you ready to go into peace today? And if you're with us today and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, I'm here to tell you that God loves you and there is nothing you can do about it. The Word says that God loved us so much, He gave His only Son, Jesus, to pay the penalty once and for all for all of our sin, all of our mistakes. All of our mistakes. In fact, Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet right here, so He was just giving it out. But you realize when Jesus died on the cross, went to heaven, we come to Him and receive it by faith. If you're here today and you say, Jamie, I need to go into peace today by faith, knowing that I have a relationship with God, then say yes to him today. I'm not trying to trick you into join the church. I'm not even asking if you're religious. Religion never saved anybody. Jesus saves people, folks. But if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, why not? I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to him. You say, Jamie, how does this all work? You know what? Number one, by faith, but the Apostle Paul breaks it down this way in the book of Romans. He says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you've got a pulse, you are whoever. And if you're here today and you need to say yes to the Lord, I want to invite you to go into peace today. Can I invite you to bow your heads and just close your eyes all across this place? If you're new with this, we do this every week, and I... If you're watching online, in fact, we've got a team ready to pray with you right now. But we do this every week because I like to just pause and challenge everybody. Where are you at with the Lord today? Listen, it's not about grandma praying for us. It's not about church membership. It's not about, in fact, I was baptized when I was three-year-old, so I'm good. No, do you have a relationship with the Lord where you are in his peace today? If you're here today and you'd say, Jamie, I don't have a relationship with the Lord. You, maybe you're here today saying, Jamie, I've been playing the game but today I need to go into peace. It's amazing if we'll take care of that relationship, how the other ones begin to work out. If you're with us today and you'd say, Jamie, that's me. I need to say yes to Jesus. I need to leave here today knowing I'm forgiven of my sin and go into peace on the count of three. All I want you to do is raise your hand. You put it up, you put it right back down. And then we're all going to pray, every one of us, okay? You'd say, Jamie, that's me. I'm saying yes to Jesus today. Here we go. One, two. Listen, today's your day. Here we go. Three, that's me. Anybody in the house here today, if you're watching online, there's somebody there ready to pray with you right now. Amen. Now I'm going to invite everyone to pray with me. And if you're guests with us, I say this every week, but just let me be your pastor for about another 60 seconds. In Woodlake family, let's pray this prayer. And if you're saying yes to the Lord, listen, I just let me lead you in this prayer. Everyone say it. Dear Jesus, you are the Son of God. You died for me, for my sin. 
in my place. Come into my life. Forgive me and make me new. And from this day forward, with your help, I'm all yours. In your name I pray. Amen.